you want to go ahead and take your Bible and turn to Genesis chapter number 4, Genesis chapter number 4, uh, we're going through this series we started last year, um, Doctrine, uh, called Continue in Doctrine, we're looking at all the major uh, Bible doctrines and uh, looking what the Bible says about them, and of, of course um, it doesn't really matter what anybody else says about it, and it really only matters what God says about them. And um, so we're talking about sin here uh, tonight. We've talked about a lot of other ones as we've led up to this one. I, I'm looking to get into the doctrine of salvation, but before we do that, we had to hit last week the, the doctrine of man, and we had to look at what the Bible says about uh, man, and then now we're going to be looking at what the Bible says about sin. And uh, here we're going to look uh, this, this evening at several verses. Um, and I, I, I know, again, you, you're looking at this outline that's before you, and there's nine points in there. And you're like, really, you're going to finish this thing tonight? I'm really not sure about this one. Um, so, uh, but last week there was a bunch of doubters uh, sitting out here and we did finish so anyway i just want to point that out but uh, we're going to start here in genesis chapter 4 uh, verse number uh, 7 where we find the very first time the first mention of the word sin now this isn't the first sin that took place we know that the first sin that took place uh, was in chapter 3 when um, Eve was deceived and gave to her husband, and he did eat of the fruit that they were told not to eat of. Okay, but the very first time the word sin is mentioned is here in Genesis chapter 4. And I'm going to go ahead and pick it up in verse number 2, um, when it talked about uh, Adam, and, Adam and Eve, and, and they, had a, they had another child. Verse 2, she again bare his brother Abel. Abel was a keeper of the sheep, uh, of sheep but Cain was a tiller of the ground. And in process of time, it came to pass that Cain brought of the fruit of the ground an offering unto the Lord. And Abel, he also brought of the firstlings of his flock and of the fat thereof. And the Lord had respect unto Abel and to his offering. But unto Cain and to his offering, he had not respect. And Cain was very wroth, and his countenance fell. The Lord said unto Cain, Why art thou wroth, and why is thy countenance fallen? And then here in verse number 7 is the word sin mentioned for the very first time in the, in the Scriptures. Verse number sin, If thou doest well, thou shalt, not be, um, shalt thou not be accepted? And if thou doest not well, sin lieth at the door. And unto thee shall be his desire, and thou shalt rule over him. Um, let's have a word of prayer, and then we'll get into the, the, the message tonight. Lord, I, I thank you for your word that really gives us every uh, thing we need to know here on this earth. Um, and Lord, I pray that you would help us to understand this concept of sin. Um, Lord, I, I know all of us are, uh, by nature, um, experts at sin. Um, we have this nature that's in us that desires sin. And Lord, we're, we're, it's not foreign to us. We understand it. But Lord, help us to understand your perspective on it. And I pray, Lord, you teach us some things tonight that uh, we can apply to our own life. And we pray these things in Christ's name. Amen. <clears throat> now, the word sin is found hundreds of times in the Bible, as you can imagine. 
And its first mention is here in Genesis chapter number 4, uh, where it is said to have been lurking at the door of the world's first murderer. Okay, we know what ends up happening here in this passage. In verse number 8, Cain talked with Abel, his brother. It came to pass when they were in the field that Cain rose up against Abel, his brother, and slew him. So God warned, <clears throat> warned Cain about the fact that, hey, if you're not careful, if you don't get right with me right now, <clears throat> excuse me, then sin is knocking at the door right there, and uh, it, you, you need to be careful because it's, you're very close to it. And uh, Cain failed to uh, heed the word of God, and as a result, he ended up committing the very first murder. And so that's the first time it has been uh, mentioned in the Word of God. The second reference is found in Genesis 18.20, where, and we won't turn there, where it causes the fiery and fearsome destruction of uh, the city called Sodom. And the last mention in the Bible is in Revelation 18.5, where it brings down the, fall, the full wrath of an angry God upon the political and economic systems of this entire world. Um, and if between those instances that it's mentioned, it's mentioned several hundred times in the Word of God. And um, so let's, let's go ahead and go down through this outline, and, and hopefully uh, we'll, we'll learn some things tonight, and uh, we'll look at a few of the passages as we go through this. So let's notice first, number one here, the definition of sin. What is sin? Now, the Bible uses numerous words to refer to sin. Now, of course, the word, God uses the word um, sin, but then there's other words as well that um, mean the same and, and refer to that. Um, Charles Ryer, in his book on basic theology, he said, uh, uh, let's see here, sin may properly be defined by using all these descriptive words for its various forms, as recorded in the Old and New Testament, such a definition would be accurate, though lengthy. Indeed, it might be a good idea to define it thus. Sin is, okay, missing the mark, badness, rebellion, iniquity, going astray, wickedness, wandering, ungodliness, transgression, ignorance, and a falling away. Okay, I didn't expect you to write all that down, obviously, but just so that you kind of that, that you understand what uh, some of these words in the in the scriptures are referring to as sin. Um, a. H. Strong said this: "Sin is lack of conformity to the moral law of God, either in act, disposition, or state." So, um, and again, most of us are. As I mentioned in my prayer, all of us are pretty, pretty well versed in sin. You know, by nature, we all came out of the womb uh, professionals at sinning. Um, I mean, I could, if, if sinning was uh, a professional sport, I think all of us would be multimillionaires. I think most of us would. Uh, last night, uh, LeBron James uh, broke the record for the most points in an NBA career. Um, when it comes to sin, I think all of us would be like, well, I, I'm the greatest sinner in the world. And uh, the Apostle Paul said, no, I'm the chief, sinner, chief of sinners. Um, no, all of us are excellent sinners. Uh, we, we know how to sin. Um, and, and many of us understand what sin is. Um, and really, it is 
basically, in, in, in short, it's the transgression of God's law. God has a law, and anytime you transgress that, it's sin. Any, anytime you break that. Now, 1 John 3, in verse number 4, uh, the Apostle John says, Whosoever committeth sin transgresseth also the law, for sin is the transgression of the law. This is a fundamental definition of sin. Sin is really to simply break God's law. Without law, there is no sin, right? Um, and to come short, sin is also meaning to come short of God's glory. Romans 3.23 says, uh, For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. All of us have sinned. Now, I use this illustration. If I were to, um, I'm trying to think of something tall here uh, in this area that all of us know. Okay, the water tower, um, the Moore water tower over by uh, Buck Thomas Park. Okay, you, all of us, we take a field trip tonight. We say, hey, we're going to stop right now. We're going to all go over there. You'd be like, why are we doing this? It's cold, it's wet. We won't actually do this, okay? But let's suppose we did, and we're all standing there at the bottom of the water tower, and we all do a, you know, one by one. Okay, now, Brother Randy, I want you to jump as high as you can. Do you think Brother Randy's going to touch the top of that water tower? No, I mean, he's a pretty tall guy, but he's, he's probably not going to touch the top of that thing. He's not going to touch the top of that. Miss Robin, now, you don't know this about Miss Robin, but this lady can jump. She's got some hops, okay? And uh, she sacrificed her NBA career to uh, be married to Randy and uh, to play the organ and do what she does. Okay, maybe she doesn't have, but, but she's not going to be able to touch the top of that. You get the, you get the tallest guy, uh, brother, brother David, Brother Duke, or Seth, and uh, Seth played basketball, but you know what? He, none of us are going to be able to touch the top of that water tower. See, the thing is, all of us, as a result of our sin, fall short of God's glory. And every one of us has done that. Um, and, you know, well, you, you may have be a less of a sinner than I am, and that's very possible, and perhaps even likely. But still, and no matter how good of a person you think you are, you're still going to come short. You're still going to come woefully short of touching God's glory. Okay? Um, so uh, the definition of sin is also to come short of God's glory. It also means to turn to one's own way. Isaiah 53 and verse number 6, um, where it says, All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned our, to our own way. And uh, it also means to forsake the Lord. It also means to do that which is wicked in the sight of God. In Deuteronomy 9 and verse number 18, here the Word of God says this, Because of all your sins which ye sinned in doing wickedly in the sight of the Lord. So whatever is wicked and wrong in the sight of the Lord, of course, is sin. Um. And then whatsoever is not of faith as well is also considered sin. In Romans 14, 23, He that doubteth is damned if he eat, because he eateth not of faith. For whatsoever is not of faith is sin. Okay? So these are some of the definitions of sin, and most of us uh, understand that. Um, but then also, uh, let's look at secondly here tonight, the types of sin. 
Okay, sin means that you're really missing the mark. Um, that's kind of the basic um, Greek and uh, Hebrew words for sin is really means to miss the mark. And when you're missing the mark that you're supposed to hit, that means you're missing the mark that you're, or hitting the mark that you're, you shouldn't hit. Um, and so uh, here, here it is. Sin means that all people have missed the mark of God's standard and continue to fall short of that standard. Now this involves uh, both sins of, first of all, we have the sins of commission. These are the sins that we willfully do that are transgressing God's law, that are missing God's mark, that are, um, that, that, that are, that are wicked in the sight of God, that we're doing um, on purpose. Okay, we know the Ten Commandments, for example, thou shalt not steal. Well, when you steal, um, you're transgressing and you're, this is the sin of commission where you are committing the sin of stealing that is contrary to the Word of God. When you are lying and seeing about, I'm so glad to trust in Jesus, and uh, you're, you're not smiling. Okay, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of teasing there. But, um, but when you lie, because we know that we're not supposed to bear false witness, when you lie and break, that's the sin of commission. Okay, um, but then there's also, secondly, uh, the, the sins of omission. This is the things that God wants us to do that we choose not to. When we omit uh, doing right, then that is sin. James 4.17 uh, tells us that. James uh, 4.17, the Bible says, Therefore, to him that knoweth to do good, and doeth it not, to him it is sin. So, you know, you say, well, hey, look, I'm not, it's not like I'm out murdering anybody and I'm not out, you know, stealing and lying, but I'm also not doing what God's instructed me to do. Well, that's also sin. So we can't think, well, I'm off the hook just because I'm maybe better than someone else because I don't have, you know, a police record or, uh, or anything like that. I, I, I try to do right, you know, and, and, uh, but at the same time, there's a lot of things that we know we should be doing. This is, we're just not. A, we're lazy, or B, we're um, just unwilling to for whatever reason. Um, that is also sin. So those are the types of sins, uh, just in a broad category. Okay, There's a lot of sins that we could go through in, in detail, but these are, these are just the broad categories here for sake of time. All right. Uh, let me go to number three here. And I'm just trying to give you just a little overview of what the Bible says about sin. Let's talk about the origin of sin, number three. Where did really sin come from? Well, first of all, sin originated in the universe with one of God's created angels uh, named Lucifer, Satan, the deceiver, the devil. And uh, this is found in Isaiah chapter number 14. And if you want to just turn over there real quickly. Isaiah in chapter number 14. And this is the record of when Satan was kicked out of heaven. And he was one of God's created angels. He was actually one of the highest um, angels. And he, through his pride, um, 
got kicked out of heaven. And here it is. Isaiah 14, verse number, we'll pick it up in verse number 11. Thy pomp is brought down to the grave, and the noise of thy vials, the worm is spread under thee, and the worms cover thee. How art thou fallen from heaven, O Lucifer, son of the morning? Exclamation point. How art thou cut down to the ground, which didst weaken the nations? For thou hast said in thine heart, I will ascend into heaven. I will exalt my throne above the stars of God. I will sit also upon the mount of the congregation in the sides of the north. I will ascend above the heights of the clouds. I will be like the Most High. And so this is, I mean, there's just, you know, Lucifer here uh, was very selfish. I mean, the word I is mentioned so many times. Um, here in verse number 13, I will, I will, I will. That's three times in verse 13. Verse 14, I will, I will. So, so five times in these two verses, we see this, I will. I, it's all about me. I want to be like, I want the, the, the worship that God is getting. Well, verse 15, God wasn't going to have it. So he says, yet thou shalt be brought down to hell to the sides of the pit. He says, no, no, you, you're not, you're not going to reside here. There, there's room for one God. And uh, uh, that's my position, not yours. And so in eternity past, um, in, Satan and his pride uh, got him uh, out, of, out of heaven. And that was the first sin in the universe. But then sin entered mankind through Adam's disobedience. And let's turn to Romans chapter number 5 and look at a familiar, a familiar verse. If you've been saved for a while and uh, you've been in church, you, you, this will be a pretty familiar one. But I just, I'm not sure where everybody's at tonight. And I know for some this is all review, but for others this may be some new information. So we're just covering it for everybody tonight. And uh, I, I know it's good for me to be reminded of these things as well. So Romans 5 and verse number 12 it says this, Wherefore, as by one man sin entered into the world. And I know some of us men are thinking, wait a minute, wasn't it the woman who ate the fruit first? Well, the Bible does make the distinction that she was deceived. Okay, but, and Adam was not. He disobeyed. So, Eve was deceived, Adam disobeyed. Big difference. And so when he took that fruit, uh, he knew, he didn't have this, he wasn't, you know, hypnotized or anything like that. Not that Eve was. I'm just saying uh, there was a deception going on there that, um, that God held Adam accountable for this decision. Because God had this, he, he told Adam specifically and clearly to not eat. He didn't, he didn't tell her. That was his job to tell his wife. And so anyway, uh, when, when Adam took, that's when the Bible says, one man's sin entered into the world. That's when sin entered into this world. And as a result of that, death by sin, and so death passed upon all men, for that all have sinned. Okay? Adam was responsible before God, and it is in Adam that all men have sinned, as Adam is the head of the human race. Okay, that's the origin of sin. Uh, let's talk, fourthly here, 
See, we're making our way through this. Come on. You think that I can't do this. Well, again, I don't want to talk too, too much about it. Okay. Uh, number four, the, universal, the universality of sin. And I don't think I said that word right, but uh, the fact is sin is universal. Sin is the universal condition of man. There are zero exceptions. Sin nature is inherited from Adam for every person who has been born of man and woman. First Kings, here's several verses here. First Kings 8 and verse 46. For there is, not, there is no man that sinneth not. In case you're wondering, um, there's another one. There's a couple. Proverbs 20 and verse number 9. Who can say, I have made my heart clean. I am pure from my sin. No one can say that. Uh, Ecclesiastes 7 and verse 20. For there is not a just man upon earth that doeth good and sinneth not. Isaiah 53 and verse 6, I quoted this a little bit ago. All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned every one to his own way. Romans 3.10, as is written, there is none righteous, no, not one. Romans 3.23, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. And for the person here who says, well, I haven't sinned, well, you're lying, and so therefore, that's at least one that we can uh, point to for sure. But all of us have multiple sin in our life. There, uh, there's no exception to that. Romans 5 and verse 12, um, if your Bible's still open there, Wherefore is by one man sin into the world, and death by sin, so death passed upon all men, for that all have sinned. So all means all, and that's all all means. Ephesians 2.3 says, Among whom also we, had our, uh, we all had our conversation in times past in the lust of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature the children of wrath, even as others. It says, Also we all had our conversation in time. All of us are sinners. It, it's universal. So it doesn't matter if you're you know, uh, a preacher's kid, you're a sinner. It doesn't matter if you're a deacon's kid, you're a sinner. It doesn't matter if uh, you are born in America, you're a sinner. It doesn't matter if you were born in a different country or a different time uh, of history, we're all sinners. That's a universal thing. Okay? So the universality of sin. Number five, our sin nature. Man's sinful nature. Again, when we were born, this was not something that anybody had to teach us. I uh, have four children, and I did not ever one time sit Seth down, Luke down, Faith and Mark, and say, okay, kids, here's how to be selfish. Okay. Let me show you how to throw a temper tantrum. Let me show you how to lie. Let me show you how to steal. Let me show you how to do wrong. Nope. Each and every one of them were professional sinners out of the womb. Because, of course, they are related to Julie. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> the real truth is they're related to me, and that's why they're professional sinners. And uh, they did not need to learn how to do that, and neither did you. Uh, you and I all were professional sinners out of the womb. 
Uh, no one had to go and teach us how to do any of those things because we have the sinful nature. Um, here's some descriptions of man's fallen nature in a nutshell. And I'm just going to give you a few of these verses here. Jeremiah 17 and verse number 9. The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. By the way, let me, let me just say something controversial here, because um, why not, you know? Um, for, for years, um, the message of Disney is follow your heart. But is that really good, sound, biblical advice when our hearts are deceitful and desperately wicked? So I, I'm just throwing that out to moms and dads here about making sure that your, uh, the entertainment in your home is congruent with the Word of God rather than contrary to it. Uh, because, look, we all have a sinful nature, and if, you, if, you're, if your children or, or people decide, hey, I'm going to just, whatever my heart wants to, to do, and, and it's leading me this direction, you, you can't always trust your heart. In fact, probably should, should really ask yourselves, okay, my, my heart is leading this way, I probably should go the opposite way. Um, now, that's not to say that your heart can't ever lead you in the right direction, but for the most part, our heart is deceitful and is desperately wicked. We better, we, we better think about where our heart is leading us. So, again, um, and, and I'll, and I'll, and I'll kind of give you this little disclaimer uh, to, to balance it out. When we were in California, we had passes, uh, season annual passes to Disneyland. I don't know that where I'm at in my Christian life right now and what the Lord has showed my wife and I, and, and, and some, some things that we, I don't know that we would have those anymore. Number one, inflation. <laughs> uh, we were able to afford them back in those days, but we wouldn't be able to now. Um, I, just don't, I just don't know that that's the wisest thing to be putting that in front of our children on a regular basis. Just throwing that out. I told you it was a little controversial. Okay, here's a couple other verses. Uh, Psalm 51 and verse number 5, Behold, I was shapen in iniquity, and in sin did my, my mother conceive me. Uh, David said, and he said, I, I, my, my, in, I was conceived in sin. Um, Genesis 6 and verse number 5, God saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth, and that every imagination of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. And this is the generation that uh, caused the Lord to decide to destroy the earth uh, with a flood. Because of their uh, thoughts of their heart was only evil continually. Job 15, 16, How much more abominable and filthy is man which drinketh iniquity like water? Psalm 58, verse 3, The wicked are estranged from the womb. They go astray as soon as they be born, speaking lies. Isaiah 64, and verse 6, We um, are all as an unclean thing, and all our righteousnesses are as filthy rags. And there's, there's several more here. Um, let, me, let, me, let me read a couple more here. Uh, Colossians 1 and verse 21, And you that were sometime alienated and enemies in your mind by wicked works. This was our condition before we came to Christ. All of us were in that scenario. 
And the most thorough description of man's sinful condition is found in Romans 3. And if you could just flip back maybe a page if your Bible is still open to Romans 5. If you go to Romans 3, and let's look here at Romans 3, 9 through 18. This, this gives us a pretty detailed uh, description of our uh, sinful condition, our sinful nature as uh, human beings. Romans 3 and verse number 9 says, What then are we better than they? No, in no wise, for we have before proved both Jews and Gentiles that they are all under sin. As it is written, there is none righteous, no, not one. Okay, and then here it goes into, well, verse 10, there's none righteous, so there's none that wants to do what's right. Verse number 11, there's none that understandeth, there's none that seeketh after God. They are all gone out of the way. They are together become unprofitable. There's none that doeth good, no, not one. And let me just call a time out here and say, I know that some, some people believe that, well, you know, when, when, I was, when I got saved, you know, I, I really had a desire to know the truth. And I, I had a desire for God. And, and, and the Lord used that in my life to, to help me understand my need for Christ. And good. But the thing is, it, it wasn't that you, in yourself, in your ability, did that. It was God who did that in you to bring you to that uh, desire, to bring you to that um, uh yeah, desire is the best way I can, I can say that. Um, it was God that put that in there, in you. It, it, it's the goodness of God that leads us to repentance. It's not because of how good we are. It's the goodness of God that leads us to repentance. And so for those who think, well, I'm, I'm one that sought the Lord. I, I think about my, even my own dad. My dad uh, got saved in, in college um, as a college-age young man, and he had grown up in the Catholic Church and uh, was his family was very faithful in, in all of that in that religion and but as a, a college young man he wanted to college age young man he wanted to learn and, and know the truth for himself and so he began seeking out the truth and and then ended up getting saved and I'm so glad that he did because uh, then he raised me in church where I heard the gospel and and then here I am tonight okay but. It, it wasn't necessarily my dad and his, you know, goodness and his, you know, how wonderful he is that, that did that. It was God who put that in my dad to desire that. See? Okay? And, and so when it says there's none, that under, there's none that seeketh after God, that, that's true. Without God's help, okay? Um, they're all gone out of the way. They are together becoming profitable. There's none that doeth good. No, not one. Their throat is an open sepulcher, with, with their tongues have they used deceit. The poison of the asps is under their lips, whose mouth is full of cursing and bitterness. Their feet are swift to shed blood. Destruction and misery are in their ways, and the way of peace have they not known. There's no fear of God before their eyes. And this, this is a, a, a very... Um, vivid uh, description of our sin nature. This, this, is, this is what it is. Um, and so we need to understand that every one of us has this sin nature in us, and it, it's, it's not a good thing, all right? Um, let me, let me kind of skip through some of these things here that I was going to bring to you, all in an attempt to try to finish tonight. 
All right, let's look here at uh, number six, the unpardonable sin. Okay, and, and every, every person born has a sin nature, with the exception of one person who was born here on this earth, the Lord Jesus Christ. And the reason he did not have a sin nature is because he did not get the blood from his dad, um, Joseph. He got it from uh, his heavenly father. Okay, And uh, so... It, that, that virgin birth was necessary for him to not receive a sin nature like you and I have. Okay, um, And so when, when other versions of the Bible, by the way, um, let, let, me, let me just take a quick minute. I'm getting a little sidetracked here, but um, I, think it's, I think it's a worthy sidetrack. If you go to Luke chapter number 2 and... Verse number uh, 48, this is when uh, Joseph and Mary lost Jesus. Okay, there, there's, been, there's been a few instances where we've left one of our children behind. Even, even here at Cornerstone Baptist Church, I thought Julie had faith, and Julie thought I had faith. But we left faith at church. Okay, It's not a good idea to leave faith anywhere. Uh, you take faith with you everywhere you go, right? But we left our daughter Faith here at church, and good thing uh, Brother Blake was here, and he called me. He's like, do you want your daughter? <laughs> like, what daughter? <laughs> we were home eating lunch, and we were, I don't know, we just complete. Okay, so, so now I'm not so hard on Joseph and Mary, okay? Uh, because, you know, how could you lose Jesus? Well, I guess theirs was worse. I lost Faith, but they lost Jesus. Um, Anyway, well, then they come, finally find him there in the temple. Verse number 48, when they saw him, they were amazed. And his mother said unto him, Son, why hast thou thus dealt with us? Behold, thy father and I have sought thee sorrowing. So they think, he, she says, hey, your dad, your, your father and I, we've been looking all over for you, and uh, we've been stressed out, we've been worried sick. Well, verse 49, Jesus reminds him, reminds them who his father really was. How is it that you sought me? Wished you not that I must be about my father's business, capital F there. And uh, so this is a reference to the fact that, look, Joseph, while he was helpful and, and important, um, was not his real dad, not his real father. And that, that's important to understand as we think about the deity of Jesus Christ and the fact that he did not have a sin nature like you and I do. Okay, very important. Okay, let's, uh, uh, you can, well, we're going to go ahead and go to Matthew chapter 12, actually. Let's go to Matthew chapter 12, and we're going to look at number six here, the unpardonable sin. So when we bring up sin, uh, this is usually a, a question that people have. Well, what about the unpardonable sin? And I'm going to uh, try to go through this pretty quickly. Uh, Matthew chapter 12, verses 31 through verse 32. These two verses um, are where this is mentioned. Verse 31 says, Wherefore I say unto you, all manner of sin and blasphemy shall be forgiven unto men, but the blasphemy against the Holy Ghost shall not be forgiven unto men. So a lot of people stop there and say, okay, well, what's the, 
blasphemy against the Holy Ghost? Well, he goes to answer it in verse 32. And whosoever speaketh a word against the Son of Man, it shall be forgiven him. But whosoever speaketh against the Holy Ghost, it shall not be forgiven him, neither in this world, neither in the world to come. So here, here's, here's, what a, here's what a couple of views here. The, the, this, the sin committed, this sin can be committed by an unbeliever today and occurs when a sinner rejects the convicting voice of the Holy Spirit once too often. That's what some people believe. Another view is that the sin uh, that Jesus was referring to here was that of ascribing to Satan the earthly miracles of Jesus Christ. So what Jesus was doing and healing the sick and raising the dead and feeding the multitudes and all the different miracles that he did, when you ascribe that instead of to God and to Christ, you're ascribing it to Satan and his power, that's the blasphemy of the Holy Ghost. Um, that's what, and by the way, that's what most uh, Bible-believing um, scholars believe. And, and it's what I believe too. Okay, now, can the unpardonable sin be committed today? I do not believe it can be. Um, because the conditions necessary for the unpardonable sin to be committed, um, you would have to, I mean, <coughs> nobody can, regardless of the depth of your sin, is able to personally see in the flesh the Lord Jesus Christ and then curse Him to His face and apply um, what He is doing to, the whole, to, to Satan instead of to the Holy Spirit. Okay? Because the Pharisees and, and those in the, in, in the days when Jesus walked the earth, that's the only opportunity uh, or only um, scenario where somebody could commit the unpardonable sin. Okay. But, and there, this is a huge comma here. Okay. That does not mean that um, there is another sin that, is just as bad, okay? And that is, um, it, it, we need to observe that there is another tragic sense of the word, thousand, uh, because thousands each day who die without Jesus Christ commit the ultimate sin of rejecting God's love and God's uh, opportunity for salvation, okay? So while no one can commit the sin that Jesus is referring to in, here in Matthew chapter 12, there is another sin that also does cast people into a place called hell. It's a sin of rejection of Jesus Christ and what He did for us on the cross of Calvary. All right, so um, hopefully that makes sense there. And um, there, there's more we could talk about it. And again, with all of these, I encourage you to do your own research and to learn and to grow yourself. I'm just giving a, a brief overview um, for sake of time. All right, so number seven, let's go to this one, the consequences of sin. Consequences of sin. This is, a, this is another lengthy study here, but um, there were consequences of sin uh, with Satan. Remember when, when he was lifted up in pride that we read about in Isaiah chapter 14? Um, he, he, as he was the first sinner, he naturally experienced the first terrible results of sin. He lost his coveted position as heaven's anointed cherub. 
He became Earth's depraved dragon. And then there's going to be some horrible, for him, consequences in the future. The devil will someday be forever cast in the lake of fire, a place that God himself prepared for the universe's first sinner. And so one day he is going to be cast into that lake of fire, and I hope I get first row seats. I hope I get courtside seats to that one. Um, and to be able to see him finally go into there and, and, and suffer for the rest of eternity. But then there was, so there was consequences for Lucifer. There was also consequences upon Adam and Eve. Adam, he dealt with guilt in regard to his spiritual and physical nakedness. He attempted to hide his nakedness from God. And then there was a, um, a broken fellowship with God. There was fear. There ended up becoming blaming others for his sin to the point where not only was he blaming Eve, but ultimately God who gave him Eve. And uh, the, the whole blame game scenario. He was consigned to a life of hard labor. Work, by the way, was not a result of his sin. Uh, work was in existence before sin took place, but because of sin, work became more difficult. Um, more work became harder than it was before. But God created work and us to work before sin ever took place. Okay, then um, he ended up dealing with the sorrow of the death of his second son, Abel, who was murdered by his first son, Cain. And by the way, that didn't take very long for sin to devolve to that point or, or get to that point where now we're, we're killing each other. It didn't take long. And uh, then he also experienced uh, physical death, Adam did. Um, Genesis 5.4, it talked about when he died. Adam died. He wasn't supposed to, but because of sin, he did. Eve had some consequences as well. Um, she had guilt in regard to her spiritual and physical nakedness. She uh, did a lot of the same things that her husband did, blaming others, um, and she, she and Adam both were driven from the paradise of Eden. They were kept from the tree of life. And then she was consigned to bear children in sorrow and pain. Being required to submit then to the leadership of her husband. And uh, then she physically died as well. Now, um, nature also experienced consequences. Uh, man's paradise became a wilderness. The roses then started containing thorns. And the, the tiger, you know, you think about the tiger. Well, it was a pretty tame creature back in those days before sin took place. But then uh, that tiger suddenly became a hungry meat eater, eat, meat eater. And this will continue to be the case until the curse is lifted during the millennium. In the New Testament, Paul writes about the consequences of, of sin upon nature in Romans chapter 8. And you can uh, maybe jot that down and look it up later. Upon the holy angels, um, and then, um, but then all of us, of course, sin ended up passing down to all of us, and we all deserve death, not just physically, but spiritually, in the second death, where we all, um, according to Rome, Revelation 21 and verse number 8, let me go ahead and turn over there real quickly. I, I pretty much have it memorized, but I want to make sure I get it right. Uh, Revelation 21 and verse number 8 says, But the fearful and unbelieving 
and the abominable, and murderers, and whoremongers, and sorcerers, and idolaters, and all liars, too, shall have their part in the lake which burneth with fire and brimstone, which is the second death. So all of us deserve the physical death as well as the second death in a place called hell in that lake of fire. So the consequences of sin, that's what we all deserve because of our sin. Then number eight, uh, let me get into this one here. I can't, I can't end before getting to this one, the cure for sin. I don't want to take too long with this because that's the next lesson, uh, basically salvation here, but there is a cure. I mean, we've, it's been kind of a negative message, but here's the good news. There is a cure for this, this, this nature that all of us have called sin. And there, by the way, I need to make this very clear. There is only one sin. It is exclusive and it was expensive because it cost Jesus everything. And what is the cure for sin? Is it, 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 it's joining Cornerstone Baptist Church. That's how we can be cured from our sin. No. If that was the case, our membership would be way up. <laughs> no, that's not the case. No one is cured from their sin by joining Cornerstone Baptist Church. No one is cured from their sin by getting baptized in the water. No one is cured from their sin by trying to do good works and be a nice guy and be a hard worker. Those are good things, but that does not cure you of your sin. There is only one cure, and that is the blood of Jesus Christ. That's it. First um, John chapter number uh, 1 says this in verse number 7, If we walk in the light as He is in the light, we have fellowship one with another, and the blood of Jesus Christ, His Son, cleanseth us from all sin. There's only one cure. It's the blood of Christ. It's not through any other means. But I praise the Lord, there is a cure. And if you don't partake of this cure then the Bible says you're going to spend an eternity in a place called hell, which ultimately is going to become, uh, you're going to then go from hell to the lake of fire. Um, it's the Bible. It's God's word, not mine. So my question for you is, have you been cured? Have you been born again? Have you been washed in the blood of the Lamb? If not, then tonight would be a wonderful night to make that decision. Um, yeah, I, wouldn't want, I wouldn't recommend waiting till tomorrow because you don't know what a day may bring forth. So there is a cure, and uh, if you haven't been cured, tonight's the night. Uh, let, me, let me just mention this last one so that I can finish and uh, prove all the naysayers wrong. Okay, Number nine, the Christian and sin. Okay, after we've been cured, then uh, that means we never sin again, right? Kind of wish that was the case. But it's not the case. Um, the Bible does re refer to, and, and I'm in 1 John 1 and verse number 8. Verse number 9 says, if we say that we have no sin, and, and he's talking to Christians here, if we, as believers, say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves. And the truth, it's not in us. So when we go around saying, I'm perfect, um, 
you're Mr. Decept you're, you're Mr. or Miss uh, Deceived, and the truth is not in you. So if we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, truth is not in us. But if we do confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins, to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And if we say that we have not sinned, we make Him a liar, and His word is not in us. And verse number 1 of chapter 2, My little children, these things write I unto you that you sin not. But if any man does sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. And He is the propitiation for our sins, and not for ours only, but also for the sins of the whole world. And I'm grateful for that truth. Um, so the Christian and sin, um, there is a battle that we all face. Um, and in 1 John 2, in verse number uh, 15, we know what that is. Love... Um, love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. If the man, any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, lust of the eyes, pride of life, it's not of the Father, but it's of the world. Those are the things we battle. Those are the things we fight against. And, and really, it's not, again, it's not our, our battle even isn't any, any person here. It's not even the Democrats. Okay? Contrary to what all the Christians believe, you know. Um, our, our battle is with the, with the flesh, the world, um, the, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the pride of life. And, uh, and of course, Satan is out there, and, and, and we know that we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers. Um, and so that's our battle. Um, but I'm thankful that God has made a provision for the Christian uh, to keep him from the path of sin. Um, he's given us the word of God. Um, Thy word have I hid in mine heart that I might not sin against thee. So he's given us his word. Um, he's, given us, um, he's given us the intercession of Christ. Christ is the believer's advocate or defense attorney when the believer commits sin. And I, I read that verse here a moment ago. If any man sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. So every time... You sin, the Lord goes, yes, I know he sinned, but uh, it's all been paid for, see? And he shows his father the prince in his hands and in his feet. It's all been paid for. He's our defense attorney. And then we also have the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit's ministry in the believer's life is crucial regarding a life of separation for sin. Ministry of the Spirit involves indwelling us, anointing us, sealing us, empowering us, filling us, and enabling the believer to live by the Spirit. So, the doctrine of sin in 30, 40 minutes. Um, there, it's, it's not thorough. Um, there's a lot more you can look into, but I just wanted to give you um, an overview of the doctrine of sin from the Word of God.